Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. All right, well, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm Paul. Man, I'm sorry. I'm just, um, just really moved, <laughs> obviously. I have um, tried to run away from the pastoral ministry. And um, it it was evident that I was called and I served in youth ministry for a while. And I did it as a way of, God, you saved my life, I'll do it. And it was pride and arrogance that filled my heart. And being here, just being under Corey and Jeff and David and Kelly and Aaron, who you don't see and they just run everything. And it's just their love that you guys have given me has just been off the charts. And I really appreciate it. So it means a lot. Whew. If you want to know more about Living Hope, check out this pamphlet. <laughs> For those that are online, Living Hope IL, check us out. We're going to dive into the sermon. We're in the Less We Turn series. And so uh, if you're unfamiliar and you haven't been with us at Heights, if I can run you real quick, uh, God has been pursuing his children. And uh, his children have consistently turned to other gods and other people and other things on a consistent basis. And God has been chasing and loving and wooing after the children of Israel. And what we've seen through Joshua all the way to 1 Samuel is that God is in the process of restoring and redeeming his children. And what is so beautiful is when we look at the children of Israel, the children of Israel are really a picture of humanity. We just turn to our own wants and desires, and yet God still radically and actively pursues us. And so Israel wanted a king, and they didn't, they, they didn't want to serve God as king, but they thought, let's be like the other nations. They look kind of cool. They look great. I want to be like them. And so out of God's judgment for Israel, Samuel, which was a judge and a prophet, was allowed to anoint a king. And his name was Saul. And Saul was not a good king at all. And he knows he's not a good king. And this prophet, Samuel, also anoints God's chosen king, which his name is David. All right? And David is anointed king at a young age. This young little whippersnapper ends up killing the most brutal uh, warrior in the Philistines called Goliath. And so everyone knows about David. David is crazy. It's awesome. But Saul is jealous. And David is now on the run. One of his top commanders is living in the wilderness now. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that and walk through that. Pastor David, what he did is he walked us through the patience of David. David had so much patience when it came to Saul. Saul would like throw spears at David and he'd just be playing the liar like, okay. And then he'd escape and he had so much empathy towards Saul. It just made no sense, right? And, and this time we're going to see our hero shifts gears. He, he, he lost some patience. Anyone, has anyone ever lost their patience before? 
Go ahead. You don't have to lie. You can participate in here. All right, cool. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to pray because I'm emotional. God, thank you, Lord, for this moment. I pray you give us ears to hear and eyes to see your truth, Father God. As you speak to us, Father God, I pray, Lord, that it sits more real than reels on Facebook. Lord, it sits deeper than scrolling through Instagram. It sits deeper than a commercial that would make us laugh. Be real in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The big idea, Corey likes me to put a big idea so I can stay consistent and not take these mega rabbit trails. And for you, all right? Here's my big idea, all right? God is greater than our impulses. God is greater than our impulses. So we talked about last week, David talked about patience and trusting in the Lord. So what's the enemy of patience? Is impatience, is impulses, right? Impulses in the wrong way can result in damaging someone's life or someone's career, right? Seeking the Lord above our feelings and our wants and desires is true wisdom, right? But it's easier said than done, right? It's like when you're, when you're in a moment and your emotions are feeling you, you just react. That's the natural reaction, that gut reaction that comes out of you. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 25. And so we're going to go through the narrative and we're going to let it speak to us. So let's set the stage with verse one, the first sentence. It says, now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him in his house at Ramah. What you need to know about Samuel is one, the book is named First Samuel. Okay, so that's how epic he is. But what you need to know is that he established some order in Israel where this nation was kind of filled with chaos and the, it was like the wild, wild west in Israel. Okay, everyone was doing their own thing. And then when Israel was backed in a corner, they would cry out to God, like, God, help me, God, help me. And what would God do? In his grace and his mercy, he would pursue his children. And as he pursued his children, he used judges to help establish order. And Samuel was the last judge, but he also was a prophet. He was a mouthpiece that established the kingship and established some order. And here we have he's dead. And with our hero, David, what you need to keep in mind is who believed in David when David was a little runt, having sheep and smelling? Samuel. Thank you. I love the participation. I need more participation. So Samuel's dead. So imagine losing someone that you love that saw you before you had any ability, giftings, or anything like that. And they said, I see something in you. I want to rise you up. This is what Samuel was to David. So you have this sitting in this place. Let's go verse one. Let's continue. And David rose and went to the wilderness of Parna. And there was a man in Mon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. So we have this man named Nabal. The name of his name, Nabal, it means foolish. Fool. Like that, that's his name. That's horrible, right? It's probably a nickname, but that's his name in the story, right? A fool in the Bible is godless. It says in uh, Psalms 14, one, it says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and they uh, uh, abandon deeds and there is no good in them. The Bible also says 
the, the Bible is folly to those that don't believe. So a fool is someone that just doesn't believe. He's just foolish, right? So we have this rich, prideful, arrogant, this prideful, arrogant Nabal. But then we have his wife who is beautiful and discerning, has good judgment, right? It's that couple, right? That you look at the girl and you're like, why are you with him? Like, that don't make no sense. Is it his beard? Is it his muscles? Like, why are you with him? Like, you're so sweet. Why would you date a jerk? Right? So think about that when you think of this couple right here. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Right? Verse four. And David heard, uh, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing sheep. So David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. Thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears and now your shepherds have been with us and we did, not, we did them no harm and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes. For we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. And David's young men came and they said all this to Nabal and the name of David. And then they waited. Nabal answered, David's servant. Who's David? Who's the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days that are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed from my shears and give them to men who come from whom I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all of this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword. And every man strapped on his sword, and David strapped on his sword. And the 4,000 men went up with David, and while 2,000 remain with the baggage. Oh, what, what, happened to, what happened to the David that was really patient with Saul? He was, he was in the cave with Saul. The one that's been trying to kill him, he like snips the end of his robe, and then now all of a sudden some guy disrespects him? A fool disrespects him and he loses it, right? And you got to think here, think, think, he says this is a Calebite. What that means is he's Jewish. He has the Eastern hospitality. So for us as Americans, we don't really get it. We're like, of course, I ain't giving no money to some random dude that comes in my field. You're thinking that, right? An Israelite, as they've been, re- as they've been rescued by God, they were mandated to be hospitable to the orphan, to the poor, and to those that are often needy. So they're hospitable by nature. They want to share and show love. So this Calebite, this Jewish foolish man is like, no, not at all, right? And so we have this, this thing that's heating up. And so remember, God is greater than our impulses. God is greater than our impulses. Think about the last time you responded out of impulse. How'd that go? Thank you. See, she's just has it. 
participation, right? It went, it went bad, right? Think about our marriages, right? Think COVID. You got to see them all the time. You got to see your kids all the time. You're emailing your teachers. Thank you for being a teacher because I don't want to be one, right? <laughs> like you're, you're like, oh my God. Like that tension of like being with your kids and being with your spouse, like that tension that you had in the midst of COVID. Like think about that person that cuts you off and you just were having a long day, right? It's just like no one ever wants to be back in, uh, in traffic in St. Louis again. Like, why would we go back to work and we have to deal with all the stress and pressure and then someone cuts us off? That impulse, what was that gut reaction? What was it? And here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to say to you is that whatever our gut reactions are, I think they're a true test of actually what's happening in our hearts. Like if we're really honest with ourselves, our impulses show something about ourselves. It shows us who or what we trust. Because it's our default. It's our knee-jerk reaction. You've been trained for it, right? My father uh, served in the U.S. military as a, as a, in the Air Force, and they would train you so hard that your impulses would be to do what you were trained to do. So when you're under pressure and fire's coming at you, you can still fulfill the job. And so for you, in your life, you have impulses, and that's a safeguard for you. This is when your parents kind of drive you nuts, and they say, hey, clean your room, but you already were cleaning your room, and you got a little mad, and you got a little snippy with them, and it's like that impulse is like a safeguard for you so you could be safe. But those impulses, hear me, can cause us trouble. Our impulses sometimes can cause us to go into areas that are uncharted territory that we can't take back. So if you can't tell, I'm a talker. And my mama would always tell me, Paul, think before you. Yeah, didn't go really well for me, right? And so those, those, those things happen, right? So think about this impulse that is coming up. And now David is in this, wor- uh, in this world of feeling like, okay, this guy disrespected me. We're grabbing my sword. We're going, we're headed here. Check verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master. And he railed at them. Excuse me. And yet the men were very good to us and we suffered no harm. And we did not miss anything when they were in their fields. As long as we went with them and they were a wall to us both by night and by day. All the while we were, keep, uh, well, we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that no, that that one cannot speak to him. Right? So we got the smart servant coming to Abigail, letting Abigail know, hey, Nabal is this worthless man. No one can reason with him. I'm trying to reason with you. So think about the Nabals in your life. Think about that foolish, brash guy, right? Think, think, about, think about it. They might be in your MC, which is your missional community. They might be your coworker, might be your spouse, might be your kids, might be your next door neighbor. Here, think about this. this these, these are the neighbors in life. Let me say it like this. They think they're always right and others are always wrong. And there's no hyperbole when it comes to the always. Like they, they literally think, Right? If the boss could just listen to my idea, we wouldn't have this problem in this company. That guy, right? Oh, the, the guy that, this is the, ooh, this one gets me. This one gets me, especially if you watch football, that Thursday game with Green Bay. 
was one of the best games I've seen all season. Okay, so the guy that thinks that he can play quarterback better than the guy that's on the field? Yeah, that guy. That, I can't stand that. It's like, have you been on the field? Do you know the pressure that is happening? All the communication that has to happen to pass that ball, right? And you're like, I would just throw it like this. Nabel's that kind of guy, right? That thinks they know what to do, and they're always trash-talking, they're always right, and they're never wrong, right? It's like that Nabel, like that, that foolish man. And so, verse 18, we're just going to keep going to the narrative. Then Abigail made haste. Get it, girl. And took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seeds of patched grain and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. She said to her young man, go on before me. (laughs) Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey, she came up under uh, the cover of the mountain. And behold, David and his men coming down towards her. And she met them. And now David said, surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness. And so nothing was missed of all that I belong to him. And he has returned me evil for good. God do So to the enemies of David and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. He's hot. He's angry. He's mad. But let's give praise to the women in the Bible. Abigail is just, she, come on, like she hears this news. I don't care how rich you are. If you're going to feed an army, there's some communication that has to come in play. There's some things that have to happen. Like, and so Abigail right here is just, uh, okay, here's it. Okay, hey, we need to bake some cakes. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and do this. Yep, this is what we're going to do. I'd like to be that guy. Like, I like to see that guy that says, yeah, you go on before me with the donkey and just kind of, you know, just kind of do the thing. Like, are you going to follow me? Like, is it just going to be me by myself? But you got to think about it as, as we went through Ruth and, uh, and we got to hear some of these strong women in the Bible. Here we have a strong picture in the Bible of a woman here that is intervening for her foolish husband and saying, all right, we got to clean this thing up. But think how scary this is, y'all. Like, think how scary it is that David, the one that killed Goliath, who all the rumors that kind of went through the mill by then, she probably had this huge, grandiose picture, like really just buff dude, just like just one hand can just kill a thousand men or something, right? And so the fear that has to be in her heart, but yet how she operates in the midst of fear to pursue this army with boldness. It's crazy, y'all. It's just like, I'm just, the more I keep reading this, the more I'm like, dang, girl, you get it. Like, I love it. And her impulses here isn't bad. This is a good impulse, right? We see there's a good reaction. These are the moments where, if we're honest, if you have a hard conversation, what do you do? If you're like me, I'm like, oh, yeah, let me get in the corner real quick until Crystal brings it up. Then we'll talk about it, and we'll just have to deal with it, Right? But Abigail goes in the midst of confrontation, and we're going to talk about this, right? There's probably your spouse like that. Like, we're going to talk about this before we go to sleep, right? And you're like, no, I need to process it, right? And you're just like, we're going to figure this out, right? And so we have this woman, Abigail, and let's just check out what she says, because it's, it's really good. 
Verse 23, it says, When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak to your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of the Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies of those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to your young men who follow my Lord. Abigail, hear me. Abigail is showing humility, honor, and honesty. Humility, honor, and honesty. Abigail is, again, covering for Nabal here. She's brutally honest. And how she speaks about Nabal doesn't even undercut him. Just like, and doesn't even like, oh yeah, he's so horrible. He's just, it is what it is. This is who he is. But will you please forgive me? Will you please like see me and hear me out here? And there's this high emotional situation that is rising. And yet in the midst of it, she has a conversation where she walks humbly. She walks in the midst of honor and she speaks honestly. And so when we look at relationships like in our workplace or people in our missional community, like who are those people that are like Abigail, who are discerning, who are of good judgment? She took responsibility. She was humble. She was caring. She was honest. And I don't know if you caught it or not, and we don't have much time because I'm going through the whole narrative, but in verse 26, she actually calls out David. She calls him out and says about his blood guilt killing people, like murdering an innocent people. She essentially said, I know my husband's worthless, but at the same time, are you going to kill innocent people? And are you going to bring salvation into your own hands? And so here she is negotiating this high intense conversation here. And it's like crazy, y'all, because if you're thinking about if it's David, if he's this guy, you just want to fluff him up. Here's some cakes, boo. Here's a little, here's a little cup of coffee. You need a back rub too? I know, Nabal. Ooh, he's crazy. He's crazy, right? But she is here, and she's like, no, this is it. This is here. But at the same time, will you kill innocent people? Like the boldness here, guys. Again, none of you are going to ever face an army and say, hey, don't kill everyone behind us, right? But you have to put yourself in Abigail's shoes here. Like she is like all in, all cylinders are happening right here. And yet she calls out David, but she also affirms him. Check this, verse 28. Please forgive the trespasses of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. And because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, the evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. And if men rise up and pursue you and seek your life, Saul, the life of the Lord shall be bound up 
bounding up of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies shall sling out, see that word play there, as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord, according to all that he has spoken concerning you and, and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pegs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. Translation, don't trip about Nabal. He's a fool. But please forgive me and remember you are of royalty. God has called you. He's calling out his destiny. Everyone knows. Everyone knows who David is. Okay? So when Nabal was like, who's David? Who's Jesse? Fool, you know who David is. There is everyone in Israel. And the hottest news is David killed Goliath. Everyone knows about it. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's probably reworking the story to make it into their own, talking about it at the latest bar. Okay? Like everyone knows who David is. And Abigail speaks out about David and says, hey, like God has something for you. Remember me <laughs> when you're king. Remember me. A fool, hear me, a fool will bring the worst out of anyone. A fool will bring the worst out of anyone. When someone cuts you off, when someone at work says something, your boss is just demanding, like they will, it will bring things out of you you wish that wouldn't come out, right? Well, like we know this, but think about your impulses again. When you're weak, when you're tired, how do you respond? These matters are important because it becomes our default. Can we trust God in the heat of the moment and believe that he can provide a better way? Our impulses need to be put in check. Hear me. I understand we're not thinking, okay, what would the Lord do, right? Anytime I'm kind of stuck, I'm kind of walking through this church planting thing, like, what would Corey do? What would Corey do? Like, you know, I'm just trying to process and think. Like, we're not thinking that in the heat of the moment. But our default, what would it look like if our lifestyle became so processed in the rhythm of the Lord as we're in missional community, as we're talking with our um, community as a friend and a family, and as we're spending time with the Lord, what if that relationship permeated in all areas of our lives? Like, what if <laughs> this thing we call Christianity was more than just a Sunday thing? What if it was just more than just, let's just read my Bible once a week? Like, what if it came out of us? What if God is greater than your impulses? Think about it. Let's think about our brothers and sisters in our missional community. And for those that have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, it's the family of God on the mission of God. We meet together uh, throughout the week to pray, to grow in the gospel with one another. And it's, and it's designed to be more of a conversation. Right now, I'm just talking to you. You, you barely talk back to me now already. Thank you, Jess. Uh, so it's just like we're barely having a conversation here, right? And so, so what happens is we're living together on mission. And what begins to happen is this. Most of us, if we're honest, we only want to show up to missional community when everything's lining up perfectly, life is comfortable, and no issues are going on because I want to be called out for it. And so, oh, I got something coming up. Sorry, I can't make it, right? When knowing that we've made a commitment to be the family of God on the mission of God, and we're pulling back, when really there's power in community, we need each other. Like our growth comes from Christianity, from us looking at God, looking at each other and saying, God is greater. 
And what we miss out on that because we're having a bad day, that I'm telling you right now, the day that you don't want to go to missional community is the day that you should go to missional community. It's like that day that you, you probably should eat that broccoli, but you don't want to eat that broccoli. Like, you know it's beneficial for you, but yeah, I don't know if I want to eat it yet, right? It's okay. Like, it's okay that you don't feel sunshine and rainbows every time you go into missional community. That's what family's about. It's not about putting on this show. I know a lot of us, we enter through the door. Okay, I got to smile now. No, if you're not smiling, let us know. Be like, that sucks. Let's pray. Let's eat. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, let's do that together. Instead of avoiding sitting in your, wallowing, hear me, wallowing in your own story at home of all these things that are going on, and you know well that your marriage is suffering, but you don't want to show up because you want to make sure you and your spouse look good. She just won't show up that week. Or you know you're struggling with porn. You know your, temp- your temptation's wilding out, but you don't want to talk to your community because you want to be perfect. Hear me. None of us are perfect. We serve one perfect God who loves us and cares for us. And what we do together as the family of God is in all our imperfection, we come together and we say, it sucks. Let's pray. Let's eat. Let's celebrate. Because God is enough. God is greater than our impulses. Our faith as believers isn't supposed to be private. It's we were saved into a body right? We are saved. This is a surface level thing, but missional community is more of what we're called to be. Let's bring it back to Abigail. Abigail is speaking with humility and honesty and honor. What would it look like for us to be Abigails in our missional communities? What would it look like even in a high intense scenario or even at work to be humble, to be honest? What would that look like? Verse 32. Oh, we are on time. We're just going to keep on going. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord. Look at this. Look at this. This is crazy. Keep in mind. Hold on. Let me pause. Think about David here in the wilderness, tired. He just lost someone that loves and cares for him. High emotion, impulse, grab the sword. We're going to kill some folks. It's over. I got to get this aggression out. I can't hit the gym. I'm just going to take care of this village. Like, it's like that thought process, right? And so his, you got to think about it, his mighty men, his, his followers. I don't know if you remember John Ryan. Who's here when John Ryan was here? Like, these are like the worst, like the, the, the most bitter people that have left a church, that has left a congregation of people, and they're just like rough, and they don't have it all put together. They're waiting to hurt somebody, okay? And then... And then David and Saul are in the cave, and they're thinking, this is it. It's over. We're going to take care of this. We're going to take over Israel. It's going to be awesome. And then David says, no. And then now, David's like, strap on your sword. And everyone's like, yes. And then I could not imagine. Could you imagine having 400 dudes behind you? Like, we're going to take care of this. Like, let's go. Like, and all of a sudden, you have this conversation with this beautiful and discerning woman. And then David responds like this. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord and the God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me from, the, uh, from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hands. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, Unless you have hurried and came to me truly by morning, there had been left to Nabal so much as one male. 
And then David received from her hand and what she had brought him. And he said to her, go, go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and I have granted, I've granted your petition. Thanks be to Abigail's intervention. David has been reminded of his commitment to live by faith in the Lord God and not by his own impulses. In community here, what would it look like if God was in the process of making you more like Jesus? Which, by the way, if you're a Christian, that's what God's doing in you right now. So if you're like, I love Jesus, good, you're supposed to look like him. And what he's going to do is he's going to bring preaching, he's going to bring a community, he's going to bring things in your life to shape you and mold you to make you more like Jesus. So if you're wondering, hey, what's going on? Why does my life look like this? You're supposed to right? And so you have this process. So, so look at this beautiful intervention, like where God puts Abigail to stop him from blood guilt. This marks David's greatness, by the way, because I don't know if I would have pulled back. I would have been like, this is over. At least, let me get Nabal at least. Like, okay, I won't kill your village. Like, can I at least get Nabal? Just give me that dude, right? But that's not the case here. The Lord really moved in this situation. God is greater than our impulses. David was called out in a good way and he received it. He received the, the rebuke in a sense because he was going to kill innocent people. And Abigail's like, yo, don't hold salvation into your own hands. Listen, David is about to be king. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's the Lord. He is actually the Lord's anointed. The anointing was upon that man right there. If you say it, it's done. And yet, this beautiful, discerning woman steps up to the plate and delivers this wonderful message, and David receives it. But are we humble enough to receive it from our missional community? Are we humble to receive it even from our spouse? Are we humble enough to even receive it maybe from a coworker that doesn't know Jesus? There are situations that are happening in your life right now that God is trying to make you more like Jesus. And he's sending all types of people your way. Not just the really polished, really good, successful business people in your life to show you the right way. He might show you a fool to show you the condition of your heart. And so what does it look like to be humble and say, okay, can I listen here? Can I be discerning here? Can, can, I, can I, Lord, I need you. That's the prayer. Lord, I need you. Verse 36, and Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, a feast like a king. By the way, this is like big middle fingers to David, like, I'm not going to help you. I'm going to throw a feast anyway, though. Hey, and Nabal's heart was very merry within him, and he was very drunk. And so, and so she told him nothing all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart was dead within him, and he became as stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who avenged the insults I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned evil of Nabal on his own head. The Lord avenged David, right? The Lord is always and forever 
the person we should trust to put vengeance into their own hands. Right? We know this as Americans. We're not gonna, just going to go to our next door neighbor unless it's a bad night. Right? Like, for the most part, we're just going to be really mad at someone, and we're going to talk really bad about them, and maybe we'll blog about them. Maybe we'll have a story about them. Like, maybe we'll express ourselves, right? But we're not going to, we're not going to hurt someone, right? But, but here, we see that the Lord comes. He, the Lord will ultimately administer justice. I don't know if you knew that. But at the end of our life, at the end of this here, whether the trumpet calls or your life is gone, you will meet the Lord face to face. And Corey won't be there. Your spouse won't be there. Your kids won't be there. It'll be face to face with the Lord. And he will administer justice, the good or the bad that you have done. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest, we're all fools. We all keep running after our own gods. We all keep running after these own things and we pick and we choose. And sometimes as Christians, we're even worse. We'll add Jesus onto all these things that we want in our lives to feel significant. But I'm here to tell you, you will not find significant in anything unless you strip everything from you and you seek the Lord alone. Not Jesus plus your career, not Jesus plus your spouse, not Jesus plus your children, the Lord. If the Lord isn't sufficient enough for you, you will end up just like Nabal. That's you. And don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your spouse. Like, that's you. That's me. We need a savior. And praise God, we have someone who's better than Abigail. We have an intercessor on our behalf, and his name is Jesus. He came in our, in our place to replace our sinful acts. He came in this world as a sinless human being, spoke with authority, laid hands on the sick, casted out demons, and then he laid down his life to be brutally murdered on a cross for you and I, for a whole bunch of nables, a whole bunch of fools, so that when we... Hear me. When we receive the breath of life that comes from God and he makes us born again, like you know when it happens, when you're like, I think I believe in the Lord. That's God's breath breathing into you and saying, you're mine. You're my child. And that is the only thing that makes you different than the nables in this world is God has breathed his breath of life and says, I'm, I want you. You are mine. And so through that, our response is this. What do we do? What do we do? God is greater than our impulses. Then what do we do? What are our next best steps? Trust the Lord. Listen, your impulses will always be the same unless your heart is changed. Your impulses will always be the same unless your heart is changed. All this talk about policies and health and race and all these other things, we all, we all, we're all trying to fix it, right? Write the best policies. Guess what? It's not going to work until your heart is changed. And Jesus is the only one that can change your heart. And so we look to him because God is greater than our impulses. And so if you're here right now and you don't know Jesus, we want you to here. We want you to see the goodness of the Lord. And so I would just ask, I would just plead with you. If you're here and you identify with Nabal and you see that you're just like the rest of us, and you can humbly say, you know what? I need the Lord. I think this is your moment. The band can come up. If you're a Christian here, I think we need to be honest with ourselves when, we, when it comes to feedback, when it comes to our impulses. Like, what do we do? Like, how do we react? Like, who do we trust on? Yes, 
The answer is Jesus. But is it really Jesus when it's you and that other person? And so if we can take a moment during communion, if we can take a moment to evaluate our hearts. Father, I pray for the the neighbors that are here. It's only through the breath of life that you would make them born again. And I, I ask and I pray that you'd bring your breath of life here today to those that don't know you. And for those that don't know you, I pray that you would cry out to you during the song. Pray for us as believers in this room that we wouldn't neglect missional community. We wouldn't neglect the, the Abigails in our lives that are maybe speaking things out that need to be spoken. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.